You're listening to the Sports Brothers Podcast by Sam and Brian Dostal. Everything sports, all the time. It's a great day to be alive, Sam. Want to know why? Why is that? Because we have joined forces with the one and only Nico DiGregorio in Nico's world on his website. It's a big deal for us. We get more uh, listeners, so thank you for all the new listeners. Well, that's the hope, at least. That's the hope, yes. That's the the goal in mind here. Uh, so, And then we want sponsors, and then we yep. want to make money. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that's That's all down the road, but... First things first, thank you to all the new listeners out there uh, that usually listen to all of Nico's podcasts. We hope that uh, myself, Brian Dossler, and Sam Dossler, we are brothers four years apart, also from from Plainville, Connecticut, just like Nico. And uh, Nico, he normally talks about football and fantasy football. That's usually the only sports he'll talk, maybe Golden State Warriors, not so much ever since his uncle uh, is no longer an assistant coach there. But uh, we are more well-rounded in terms of, uh, baseball, golf, hockey, football, college football, basketball. When you say we with golf, you mean me. Yes. <laughs> um, even some horse racing. Sam, you had a good analysis on the horse racing uh, the other day. Um, so we we do have much a little more sports knowledge. I say a lot more sports knowledge than, uh, than Nico. And uh, so we hope that you enjoy this podcast as we'll be kind of going back and forth between uh, the two with our website, the sportsbrothersblog.wordpress.com. I have an article up there on the, uh, the the recap of the Western Conference semifinals between the Rockets and the Clippers and how shocking it was that the Clippers fell on that one to the Rockets. But for today's podcast, Sam, it's going to be a conference finals matchup, a preview, both those series between the uh, the Rockets and the Golden State Warriors, and then the Hawks will be taking on the Cleveland Cavaliers. The NBA Draft Lottery is tonight, just about an hour and 15 minutes away. Uh, some MLB quick hits. Brian's Confessions Corner, the Flakegate update, uh, back on the radar, and then Stump the Bro. Sam, do you actually have a Stump the Bro question? Today? I do, I do. Um, Good for you. You texted me at about 2 o'clock, and I just finished it right now. There you go. So it is ready, though. So for those of you that don't know, Stump the Bro is basically a trivia question. Sam and I try to stump each other. Uh, so we that's the thing that we've done the last year or so. All right, Sam, so let's get things going here. NBA playoffs, it starts tonight. It's game well, one. Well, it continues tonight. Or continues tonight. The Western Conference uh, starts tonight. Game one between the Houston Rockets and the Golden State Warriors. Tip-off at 9 o'clock Eastern time on ESPN. Sam, let me ask you this. Can the Rockets ride their momentum, coming back from behind 3-1 to one in that Clippers series, and take out the Warriors in this one? It was, well, shocking, really. Uh, you, you look at it, and we touched upon it on our last podcast, that 19-point lead right in, in game number six at home for Los Angeles. And somehow, some way, some way with James Harden on the bench, with mostly a, the second team on the court, Houston was able to come back. And, and then you started watching game seven, and even though Los Angeles was in it, at times, they were within a single possession. It always felt like it was one of those games that always felt like Houston was in control. It, it was a phenomenal turnaround, and right now Doc Rivers is taking a lot of heat because not only is he the head coach, 
but he's he's also the GM of this team. Uh, he he made some questionable moves. Uh, brought Jordan Farmar aboard. Said goodbye to him. Uh, Jared, Dudley Jared Dudley was part that of the was team. The big one, yep. uh, traded him for a few different guys, and then uh, with Minnesota, right? Or excuse me, with Milwaukee. Yep, Milwaukee. For a few different guys. For some reason, I always get those M teams mixed up. Milwaukee, and Minnesota. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> The players that they got in return, they were pretty much instantly moved, re got rid of to clear cap space. So uh, the depth wasn't there, and the Houston depth wore them down as that series went on. Because Houston, we say it was their second team, but they got some good guys on that second team. Uh, Corey Brewer, they, and they made some nice moves to bolster that bench and make themselves deeper despite their two losses uh, in their starting lineup. And you mentioned those two guys that they got come off the bench Josh Smith he actually came into a starting role in right. this series but most of the season when he was after he was acquired from the Detroit Pistons remember him and him and uh, Corey Brewer they're both acquired in December pretty much there I think it was four or five days apart there you add depth because if if Josh Smith wasn't starting then it was Terrence Jones was starting now you have Terrence Jones coming off the bench Corey Brewer a guy that come off the bench and they fill those holes without Patrick Beverly without Donis Moniunas they, they exactly do and, and the beauty of both those guys is they have the ability to step away. Josh Smith doesn't do it very well, but he can step away, knock down the three. Corey Brewer stretches the floor. He's long. He's athletic. And uh, it just gave them a different look. And then once Dwight Howard came back, this team really took off. And it's, it's amazing the script that's been flipped in the last uh, five or six days. You go, from, you, you go from Kevin McHale, he's out the door, to – Look at this guy. He turned this thing around, and now he has them playing in the Western Conference Finals. And uh, you have to give him a lot of credit, just like I think you have to give Doc uh, uh, some uh, – Doc loses some credibility, I think, by losing this one here. Because really, when you think about Doc Rivers, he just has that one championship. Yeah, that's the thing. With Doc Rivers, is, that team, he's, he's a likable guy. Doc Rivers he's great is, with the media. P players love playing for him. Everyone says you got to play with Doc Rivers before your career's over. But in re but the fact of the matter is, is he's won that one NBA championship. But you mentioned it was the first big three. I mean, you had Kevin Garnett. You had well, Ray the Allen. First modern day big. Okay, three. you had Paul Pierce. I mean, you you had talent there. Not saying he doesn't have talent in Los Angeles. He, cl he clearly does. But Western Conference, a deeper conference. And if you remember back to that Celtics team. First off, he wasn't the GM. He wasn't making all the personnel moves. Danny Ainge. Danny Ainge. Um, but the Celtics had that extremely deep bench. Remember uh, Sam Cassell coming off yep. the bench, James Posey. Uh, they brought in P.J. Brown Eddie late House. in that year, Eddie House. So you had that second unit, and for Doc Rivers to neglect putting together a second unit, it, it's quite shocking to me because we've – I've talked about it in the past. I don't know if we've talked about it on this show, Brian, but when you look at the teams that primarily win NBA championships, yes, they have the star players, the Tim Duncans, LeBron Jameses uh, of the world, but they always have those role players, those second-unit yeah. guys, Patty Mills last year. Uh, you remember Mike Miller uh, a couple years ago yep. when uh, Miami won the championship. You have those guys that when you're giving your stars the rest, the Dwayne Wades, whoever it may be, when they're getting that rest – you have these guys who can come in and fill that gap. Exactly. And it's crucial. Yeah, it is. You, you need guys to come off the bench because you can't expect 
James Harden to go out and score 35 a game and will your team to victory. You can't expect you, that. You, you, in the regular season, you can get away with it for one game, but for a seven-game series when you have to be a team four times, you know the deeper bench is always going to win. Yeah, for the most part, and, and I think that's like we thought. They got worn down. They got worn down as the series went. Uh, yeah, they shouldn't have lost game number six when they were up by 19, but I think it started. They came out flat in game five. Whenever you have a chance to put a team away, you have to give everything you have on that particular night. Game five, they came out a bit flat. Uh, they, In the back of their mind, they were thinking, we have game six at home. We'll wrap it up there because we've been dominating this team. Mm -hmm. You can't leave anything to chance. You just can't do it. When you give a team a sliver of hope, then you never know what's going to happen. A and Houston, they started clicking. They got that game five. And once you get that game five, you realize you're right there. I mean, See, the if the series the goes six games, someone has to be up 3-2, you know? The advantage with the Rockets with down th when they were down 3-1 to one was they had two games at home. That was, that was, that's huge for them. They go home at game five, yeah. right? You, you, can you get your mojo back. Exactly. So you, James Harden, he scored, I believe, 32 points when he was not feeling very well in game five. Now you got your swagger back a little bit. Now you're going to Los Angeles, and Sam, this team was dead in Game Six. They're down 19 points with two minutes left in the third quarter. They were done, and and somehow Kevin McHale did what saved his job in those last 14 minutes and was able to rally his team to victory. Not only win, and the amazing thing is, you cut me off. Sorry, you want right. to keep going? There? No, no. But it's I fine. was just going to say the amazing thing is that rally, that comeback. This Houston team, and we'll get into it when we, when we talk about the Golden State series, they're not a great defensive team. No, they're not. They held Los Angeles to, what was it, 15 points in that quarter? Yeah. I mean, they, and 18 points overall over the last 15 minutes of that game, That's it's just something that you wouldn't think the Houston team would be capable of doing. Speaking of the Warriors, they haven't played since Saturday when they wrapped up the series against the Grizzlies, so they've had a couple days uh, to, to take a rest. Uh, but you're talking about a Sam that uh, you're talking about a team that has depth. This team has depth. They don't have Maurice Spates at least for Game One, so they're, they're going to hurt there. But they have guys like Sean Livingston that come off the bench. Uh, I mean Draymond Green, I, Andrew Bogut. I mean David Lee if you absolutely need them. I mean this team is deep. Yeah, th they certainly are, and, and they're that team. And, and you didn't even mention them, I mean, Andre Iguodala. Iguodala, yep. Yeah. Uh, which I always have a little trouble, just to go back to the beginning of the season when Steve Kerr took over, he wanted to put Harrison Barnes into the starting lineup and have Iguodala come off the bench. Iguodala is a guy who's been in All-Stars, had a phenomenal career, mostly in the starting rotation. And Iguodala said, all right, I'll, I'll come off the bench for you, no problem, which I don't get why players have such an issue with. I mean, you look at a guy like Mano Ginobili, he plays starter minutes. Yeah. What's the it's difference? Not, it's, 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 who's, it's, always, start, it's who's it's on the finish. floor. Yeah. But that's besides the point. That's that just adds to their depth, and uh, I think it's going to be a really tough matchup for this Houston team, especially with Patrick Beverly out, Brian, because who's going to guard these guys on the perimeter? Jason Terry? Or yeah, <laughs> I mean, James Harden, he's been better defensively this year, but he doesn't take – he's still – I mean, <laughs> he was improving over what, nothing? Yeah. He was improving over a tree. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as you mentioned, the defense, the, they allowed at least 100 points in all seven games versus the Clippers in the conference semifinals. And then you know, I, I kind of compare Patrick Beverly, Beverly's value like Tony Allen with the Memphis Grizzlies. When, when Tony Allen was playing and healthy, 
It was a different series. It was a completely different series. They were the, the Grizzlies were two and one when he played thirty plus minutes. When Tony Allen did not play or play limited minutes, they were zero and three. Against a Golden State team that we know can shoot the three, Clay Thompson can go off, Andre Iguodala can go off, Steph Curry can go off. You need perimeter defense, and as you mentioned, Sam, with no Patrick Beverly, who's going to defend him? He's really their only guy that can. And then not only, and we talk so much about their shooting. But they have guys who can penetrate and get into the lane. Steph Curry can get into the lane. Clay, Thomas can, Clay Thompson can drive. Uh, all those guys on the perimeter can get into the lane. And by not being great on the perimeter, they're gonna have the, they're gonna be so worried about the the three point shooting that they're probably gonna close out too aggressively. And then that leaves the big guy in the middle, Dwight Howard, vulnerable. Still a, a excellent defender. But he's picking up fouls so quickly because guys yeah. get into the lane so often that he's forced to he's forced into positions that 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 where he tries to go for a block and he gets th- a foul they don't call. work in his favor. Yeah, he, he's yeah. put in bad situations time and time again. I have the Warriors in five games in the series. I, I I'm with you. I, I was talking uh, to someone yesterday and I, I said I think they get them in five. Uh, it, it could even be a sweep. Yeah. Uh, I, I really which, is, which is so ironic because we're talking about this Rocket team that's coming off so much momentum from that Clippers series. They're down 3-1. I mean, they were playing terrible basketball. They, they could not play any worse. Well, they were still scoring. Team. They were still scoring, but, Sam, they're losing by 30, 30 points well, at some point. They points. weren't playing defense. Well, I mean, and they just looked bad. They did, they, and they looked disinterested at times. Uh, so you, you never know what's going to happen, but I, I think too much firepower from this Golden State team. and. What we didn't even mention, what people forget to mention a lot when they talk about this Golden State team, is this is an excellent defensive team as well. Yep. They play very good defense. Andrew Bogut's the anchor of that defense. He is, and he's another guy who gets in foul trouble, but that's where the depth comes in. Uh, David Lee can come off the bench. Uh, Spates is going to miss game one, but he'll be back. He's another big down low. And, and because of the injuries to Houston, they got the kid Capella coming off the bench. Yeah. And he's he's shown some flashes. He might develop into a nice player, but he's certainly not there yet. He's certainly not a guy you want playing big minutes in the postseason. Moving over to the Eastern Conference Finals, it's the Cavaliers and the Hawks. The Hawks won the season series 3-1. to one. Uh, Take that for what you wish because three of those four games, that's when Deion Waiters was still with the Cavaliers. So it's not like those matchups mean anything at this point. Uh, Sam, if you're a Cavs fan, how concerned are you with Kyrie Irving's injury? Um, you know, I, I think you have to be concerned. Uh, you know, I heard some people talking about the fact that he didn't come back into that uh, close closing game, game six for Cleveland. But I think a big part of that was, although he wasn't moving well, I think a big part of that was Cleveland was always up by double digits. They were never really in a position where you thought they were going to lose that game. Mm-hmm. So I think that was more a precautionary. But any time you have a lingering injury like this, you, you take a look at Tony Allen. He came, he was in, he was out, he was in, he was out, uh, nursing uh, injuries. Uh, Mike Conley, same thing, had various injuries that he was trying to play through. And it's a different level of basketball than the regular season where you might be able to play through uh, a knee injury like that because the game's not moving as quick. Um, <clears throat> I do think the extra days are going to help him, but if this series goes long, you're going to see Irving, like you saw in the Chicago series, 
it's going to be more and more of a struggle for him as the series progresses. So it's going to so say they make a Team Bay Finals. Is it that much of a worry there? Yeah. Oh, I I, I think it's a huge worry. Um, I don't know if they get by Atlanta. Uh, I think the series is going to be a lot closer than people think. Uh, people continue to not give Atlanta credit, mm-hmm. and they just play so well as a team and. Really, this Cavaliers team now is is so diminished. They've had to change their style so many times during the season. They had to change it so late. Uh, they have to they had to change it after the Celtics series with Kevin Love going down with the shoulder injury, and now depending and now on what, what Kyrie, Kyrie Irving, Irving yeah. can do, because if you still have Irving and James, I mean, you still got two of the top ten players in the league. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but with without with a diminished Irving. Irving or without Irving. You got LeBron James, and and basically, it's the Cavaliers teams he was playing with prior to to coming back. Hey, Matthew Delladova stepped up. Oh yeah, up, I, I'm, I'm not saying that no, these guys can't I step know. up. Tristan Thompson, uh, th- these guys that they have. The Jr. Smith and Jr. Smith for them. and Iman Shumpert. They have good players, but there's you need more than a LeBron James and a bunch of role players. Uh, so a matchup I have to watch for this series is Damari Carroll versus LeBron James. He's going to be the guy that's going to match up against LeBron. Of course, you can't stop LeBron James. You have to slow him down. Uh, I think if he can take a kind of like a Jay Crawford uh, attitude towards this series, Sam, I know in a couple games, Jay Crawford, although LeBron still scored him a couple times, there was times where you could tell Crowder was definitely getting the head of LeBron James. He was They're similar four- players, Carroll yeah. and Crawford. He, he uh, you know, neither though Crawford or, or Carroll are, are dynamite scorers, but they're gritty defen- defensive players. They get after it. They, they like to, to get in your head. And you saw Crowder get in LeBron's head, uh, you know, forcing some loose balls or deflecting some passes yeah. or just making him uncomfortable. And really, that's why I think Tamari Carroll's biggest job is in this series. It is. And LeBron hasn't played his absolute best basketball in this postseason either, especially in that series against, uh, against Chicago. Uh, so far in the postseason, he's below 15% from beyond the arc. He was a 35% three-point shooter in the regular season. His, he's upped his rebound numbers, which he's had to. His, his assist numbers are still up. So he's still putting up the big-time numbers, 26.5 points per game. Uh, but he hasn't really been the LeBron James that we've been accustomed to. I think these days off will help. But I think Carroll, he's going to give him some trouble. They have some guys that they can throw at him uh, that, that can give James – some some issues. I have, and I love Dennis Schrouder, by the way. Yeah, I know you do. I don't like him just because of his hair. Um, I don't care about the hair. That was the style last year up in Springfield. A lot of the kids, a lot of the basketball players had That's that. That's weird. And um, I worked for Mass Live last year and covered Springfield area sports for people who don't know. Um, but I, I love the way he plays. I feel like whenever I turn those games on, I never I never actually see Jeff Teague out there. Yeah, because Schrouder's been playing down the stretch. He has been. Who do you got in this series? I have the Cavs in six. I could see this going seven, though. Uh, for me, a lot of it depends on Irving. Ky- Kyrie Irving. Uh, I think he's going to be healthy in the beginning part of the series, but I think he's going to wear down as this series goes on. Uh, I'm going to take Atlanta in seven. Wow. So Atlanta closing out in seven. All right, Sam, time to watch some pinballs tonight. It's the NBA lottery. Ping uh, pong balls, ping not po- pinballs. Ping pong balls. Sorry about that. Um, 8.30, so about an hour. An hour from now. An hour from now. Uh, so Minnesota, they have the best chance to get the first overall pick at 25%. Knicks at 19.9. 76ers at 15.6. Lakers at 
The Cavs, do you think they can get it, Sam? Is there a chance that they can get three out of four? They might just forget to take their envelope out. They're yeah, so used to it so being in the, They're so used to it just being there that they might just – and the Cleveland Cavaliers. <laughs> now there, you know, the, the folded envelope with Patrick yep, Ewing and the yep. Knicks. Now if the Cavs ended up in there, we'd have a little bit of an issue. Then there might – The 30 for 30 would start being produced as, yeah. soon as, as soon as this thing was over. Yeah, seriously. Uh, so – who, who's it going to be? Is it going to be Timberwolves? Is it going to be Chalk or the Knicks? Are they going to get it? You know, I mean, it's it's it, all it's it, all luck. It's it's, no. it's simple. It's simple to say that Minnesota, or New York, or Philadelphia are going to get it. The top three teams, uh, or the Lakers. But we saw last year with Cleveland, they weren't supposed to be in there at the end. They didn't get it. Crazy things happen. Uh, there always seems to be one team that shouldn't be in those final three. That is and. And I think that's what makes this so interesting. I, I love watching this every year. Do you like the NBA draft lottery or the NFL draft? Oh, I love it. I love this. For Do me, you? For me, this, eh. I, I, this is must-watch TV for me. It fascinates me. I'm, I, I, it's one of my favorite, I enjoy it. It's one of my favorite NBA moments of the year, as weird as that sounds. You're taking a Colin Coward. You, I love it. You, you, I listened to his podcast, and you talked about it. You were it taking was, a it Colin wasn't Coward. even because of, I've loved this thing for years. I just... It, it fascinates me. To me, it doesn't. I don't. But the people with their little lucky pennies and lucky things. But it's just, it's really interesting it, it, because it's. I think I like it so much. If every league did it, it wouldn't be as interesting. But because it's unique to the NBA, and it happens just once a year, it's different and it, it's it's intriguing. Powerball happens every week, Sam. I do. I do watch that sometimes, not intentionally. It's like in b when the Seinfeld episode ends. Yeah, and then yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. I, I get that at school a lot. Um, all right, so MLB whip around as Navik rounds out to short to end the inning. Um, I think that's a uh, violation. Sorry. <laughs> I meant uh, Syriaco. I don't know. Um, MLB whip around. So we got four things. First, let's start with Bryce Harper, Sam. He leads the National League in both home runs with 14 and runs batting with 37, and he gets fifth. In batting average at 338, and finally, it just seems like his potential is just coming along. Maybe it's too early to tell because he's a little bit on a hot streak. But remember, this this kid, kid, 22 years old, is still younger than Chris Bryant and Mike Trout. Well, that's the thing that people forget. He, he's still so young, and uh, I, I I've been one who's been, uh, I guess, a little bit harsh on him, but it's more the people who build him up so quickly. The, the scouts, when the media. When you're put on the cover of Sports Illustrated when you're in high school, you have a lot of potential to live up to. I mean, you, you do. You got, I mean, he's been on the cover in high school. LeBron James has been on the cover. I mean, those are the type of athletes that were, when, you, when you're when you on that young of an age, you have lofty expectations. And, and really, when you look at his numbers over the years, he's never hit lower than 270 his rookie year. Uh, his home, he hit 20-plus home runs his first two years, just 13 last year. But... Something that's usually that comes later is that power. That's something that usually yeah. develops as a as a player progresses through his career. It's it's like you you know you, you look at minor league baseball player numbers. Their power numbers aren't necessarily there, uh, and then all of a sudden they come to the majors and and there's someone who displays that power. It's because it just takes a little longer. Already 14 home runs this year, and I, I think he officially has come into his own. We can officially start having that Mike Trout, Bryce Harper uh, conversation. Who's the face of uh, of baseball? He's arrived. He's here to stay.
All right, you heard it from Sam Dasik. And and how about you mentioned his hot streak, and you mentioned his season numbers, but his month of May, Brian, four eleven, nine home runs, twenty two RBIs, and and we still have twelve days left in the month. It's the nineteenth. We still got a ways to go here. On Sunday, Braves pitcher Shelby Miller lost a no-hitter with two outs in the ninth inning against the Miami Marlins. So, Sam, which is worse, that accomplishment or back on May 10, 2013, when Shelby Miller was on the St. Louis Cardinals when he retired 27 straight batters after allowing a leadoff single? Uh, which would you rather not happen? Like, I mean, both are bad situations. <laughs> well, they're both good because your team wins well, and you yeah. pitched really well. Okay, I'd rather allow the hit to the first batter. I would agree. Because then you're not so close. Well, you still are so close, but Yeah, it's but you're just not really thinking. It's one of those things where it could you, be like, retire, oh. you retire the next 27, and then a reporter asks you about it after the game, and you're like, huh, yeah, I guess, I guess that's yeah. right. But uh, I'd rather just allow the, the hit and be on with my night. And just a reminder that Miller was traded by the Cardinals in the offseason for Jason Hayward. So that was a big offseason. I was surprised there. about that trade. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's still looking at it. It's it's a head scratcher. Hayward was in the came up at the same time with Harper and Strasburg, and he's, he's in well, that Well, he same was category. supposed to be. Yeah. I, I still remember the home run he hit his first game in Atlanta. Yeah. First first pitch. I don't think it was first pitch. I think it might have been. It wasn't first, first at bat. First at it was first at bat because the guy on the on the Twins, I forget who a top prospect came up and he was the first one to do it since uh, I think Sterling Marte like in 2015. I don't know. Anyways, but uh to the disabled list, a couple three players that have been put on the DL today. Uh Victor Martinez, the designated hitter from the Tigers, he's on the 15-day DL with a knee injury, uh, hitting 216, one home run, 15 RBIs and this was a year where Sam, he was an MVP candidate, 335, 32 home runs, 103 RBIs, and at some points he had more home runs than strikeouts. Yeah, that was, that, I just saw a tweet I had uh, about this time last year, so past the middle of May where he had more home runs than strikeouts, uh, which is just phenomenal. Uh, but he's had, some, he's had some injury problems since coming over here to, to Detroit. When healthy, though, uh, He's been phenomenal, and if there's a time for him to get hurt, this would be it uh, in the, the early portions of the season. Yep. <laughs> when he's in that lineup, though, and he's clicking, that's one scary lineup for Detroit. The Nationals outfielder Jason Worth left to wrist, heading to the disabled list. Worth he's had a tough go this year. Yeah, he has two away, two home runs, four RBIs. Will Myers heading to the 15-day disabled disable list as well. Uh, left wrist tendonitis, saying 291, five home runs and 19 RBIs in his first season with the San Diego Padres after being traded by the Rays, and it happened during batting practice same on Sunday on the same wrist where he got injured. At uh, Fenway on the A.J. Yep. Pruszynski yep. uh, game-winning hit. Yep. Uh, and a little shout-out to Adrian Beltre, who hit his 400th career home run this past week. Sam, is Beltre Hall of Fame worthy? I, I think he's certainly thrust himself into that conversation, and I think he is. Think Who's been a better third baseman Chipper Jones. during his generation. Chipper Jones. Chipper Jones, there. Alex Rodriguez. But other than that. Is Scott Rowland Hall of nah, Fame worthy? I don't know. Um, maybe. But I, I think Beltre has done it longer, and he he's had a, more of an impact at, in different parts of the game. Great defensively, has the power, uh, can hit for average, drives and runs. I think. He's a guy that, when he was with the Red Sox, I loved watching him, and he's a guy I wish that they had been able to keep around a little longer. All I, right. I, th I think if he has 
finishes this year out strong. I know he's 36, has another year, maybe two, putting up the numbers that he's putting up, he'll be in the Hall of Fame because he'll be close to 500 home runs by then. You would think if, if he keeps on that pace. If he gets to 500, yeah. he's a shoo-in, yeah. especially in this day and age. Yeah, if no steroids, mm -hmm. that's pretty much an auto bid at that point. He's never been linked to him. He, he's, he's been phenomenal. Even uh, counting those four or five virtual dead years in, in Seattle. Buckle up, everybody. It is time for Brian's Confessions Corner. Okay, folks, hope you enjoyed that little segment of music that I put together this morning, uh, actually this afternoon. Today, Sam, I just pretty much did a whole bunch of podcast stuff. It was a good time. That's good. You were at work. I was doing podcast stuff. All right, so my confessions corner this week, Sam. This past week, the Marlins fired their manager, Mike Redman, after a season and a half where he won 155 and 207, and the Marlins uh, have pretty much been irrelevant since they – uh, won the World Series in, tw in 2003, haven't made a playoff appearance since. But here's what I'm saying, Sam. When a team like the Miami Marlins, when they make a huge splash in the offseason, when all these moves are made, when John, John Carlos Santon re-signs an over $300 million deal, when you acquire Matt Latos, when you acquire Martin Prado, Danny Heron, uh, D. Gordon, when you sign Etro Zuzuki, when you sign Michael Morris, the NLCS hero for the San Francisco Giants, when you get all that stuff, that's not good for the manager because all of a sudden – Well, it is good for the manager. Let me let me rephrase. It's good for the manager, but in terms – yeah, let's, let me talk. <laughs> but in terms of success, it needs to happen right away. Otherwise, you're can You're gone. You see this happen all, all the time in sports when there's new hot and sexy toys, uh, people, players that go to a new team, big expectations are supposed to happen. You look at the, the Toronto Blue Jays from a few years back. When they acquired uh, Jose Reyes, when they got R.A. Dickey, when they got Josh Johnson, this team was supposed to be uh, World Series champions at some points. Now, I don't think the Marlins, people are expecting them to go to that far, but certainly compete for a playoff bid. Right now, 16-23 and 23 on the season. And you just, in, 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 like I said, it happens all the time in sports. You look at the 2012 Philadelphia Eagles, Sam, the dream team as – as they proclaim themselves, Michael Vick he signs his second year hundred million, uh, or his second hundred million dollar contract. Uh, they get Nami Nasnawa from the Oakland Raiders. They trade for Asante Samuel. They have Ronnie Brown. They even had Vince Young as a quarterback for as a backup. What a luxury to have that for a backup. They go eight and eight in that season, and, and Andy Reid, who had done so much for that franchise, was fired after that season. Then you look at Coach K, and I use this for every single one of uh, an example like this because it, it's a prime example. You look at Coach K, this is a guy that has over 1,000 wins right now. He has five national titles after beating Wisconsin's title game in, in, in early April this year. And his first five seasons as a college coach, he was at Army. He goes 73-59, and 59, not terrible, but his first three seasons at Duke – the man goes, Coach K goes 38 and 47. 38 and 47 in the ACC. This day and age, you're canned. You're gone. You, you don't live another day. Not to mention, in, in, his, first, uh, in his first five seasons, he ha didn't have a record above 500. You put all that stuff together, folks, and you're in for a new coach. You're done. When this. 
when this offseason came together for for the Florida for the Miami Marlins, Mike Redmond needed to win ASAP. He needed that good record right off the bat. But Mike Redmond is saying there, it, this is all, it's all the general manager and, and Dan Jennings getting all these players. I mean, Mike Redmond is saying, obviously I want D. Gordon. Yeah, I want uh, Danny Hare and Matt Latos. I want all these guys. But to put guys together in terms of chemistry and things whatnot, it is very, very difficult. You look, you look at the Cleveland Cavaliers this past season. If you listen to me on my radio show on the on the out the clock tower at, at Eastern Connecticut, I was explaining to you folks that it takes time for teams to mold together. The Cleveland Cavaliers have parts going in and out the entire year for the first half of it. Deion Ware was on the team, then he was trading. Anderson Varejao was in, but he, then he got hurt. Uh, Kevin Love was a new fit there. LeBron James was a new fit. J.R. Smith, the Jumper, you had guys coming and going all the time. Same thing in, in Miami. You got to give Mike Revin some time. But now, Sam, now I'll let you come in. Dan Jennings is a guy, is a manager. He hasn't coached baseball since the 1980s in high school, but he pretty much appoints himself as a manager, and it's a very interesting call there. Yeah, it's uh, Jeff Lowry, their their owner, very close with with Jennings, and they have each other's trust, from what I've heard. But there's a lot of qualified people out there to, to do this sort of job. It, it, it's just it's it's extremely interesting. And uh, I was listening to Tim Kirchin on ESPN Radio today talking about how in this day and age players don't like to necessarily play for a manager who hasn't done it at some level, uh, whether it's been a star in the big leagues or at least played in the minor leagues. They don't want to play for that guy who, who doesn't know what it's like because their thought process is, no, you don't know what I'm talking about when I'm yeah. when, when the player will come to the manager and, and talk about the, the two-for-20 slump I'm in or the mm-hmm. pitcher – the closer that blows two saves. You don't know what it's like. So I think it's very interesting. And uh, eighth manager in six years now for Giancarlo Stanton. Yeah, if you're him, what do you think of that? See, what that's why like? I was so surprised he was so well. I know he had a boatload of money thrown at him in the off season, But that's one of the reasons I was so surprised that he, he signed that mega de- deal and didn't he, want to explore can, his options. He opt I know out, he can opt you know. out of it, but... These are he's in his prime years right now. I mean, he he would have been on the market much sooner had he not signed the detail. He can't opt out of it, like you said. But I don't know. Uh, the, the the that Miami organization is is certainly not the model organization in Major League Baseball. I mean, you, no. you look at what they did to Joe Girardi, manager of the year. He didn't get along with the ownership. Gave him Gone. the can. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. I don't know. For Mike Redmond, not not the greatest manager out there, but you still do have to give him a chance. All right. Now, we got to talk about it because it's really the hot topic in sports, the plate gate, Sam. Uh, some news came out today. Robert Kraft, the owner of the New England Patriots, he said that, that they will accept the deflate gate penalties despite the fact that he still believes that his quarterback, Tom Brady, had nothing to do with it. Your immediate thoughts on this because just, just – what, 36 hours ago? He's he said, you know, we're going to fight this. Well, yeah, about less than a week ago. It, it's it's strange, isn't it? Very strange. Complete complete 180. Because I get the whole we want to move on thing, 
But at the same time, at you the want same time, you're. It's not necessarily about moving on. It's about proving to people that you didn't do it. And this and is your quarterback's still appealing, so there's still an appeal out there. So what if? What if? Um, Brady appeals. They find he doesn't. He didn't do anything. And then they take away his suspension. Do they keep the the other the other uh, the other punishments, the draft picks, and the it, the money? It, I don't know. It's it, it just doesn't make sense the way things. It, it's the story is just the way extremely bizarre. Yeah, it's it's in a whirlwind of emotions and just it's it's hard to compute where they really are at this point because so much so many things are are going on and it doesn't it, they're not really going in sequential order that you would no. kind of hope they would be. No, they're certainly not, and and Robert Kraft is just I, I I don't know. It's it's very interesting, and you wonder if he saw the rebuttal the Patriots came out with, and when they said that that the, in the text messages when the guy refused re, referred to himself as the deflator, he was saying it's because he lost weight. Uh, it it's just a very bizarre story, and uh, like I've heard multiple people say, and I agree, if Brady had come out on that Thursday press conference and said, I told these guys I like the football at the lower end of the PSI spectrum. Uh, that's all I told them. Where it went from there was not under my control. I'll take any punishments that come down, but all I said was I like to have it around a 12.5 PSI. Then I think this thing would have blown over. I, I think he would have got a little bit of maybe a fine, maybe something like that, but he wasn't going to get suspended for the Super Bowl, and by the time – the Super Bowl came around, the game would have happened, they would have won. Everything after the Super Bowl, we would have moved on to the next season and we would it would have been so nothing more than a it would have been nothing. So in your opinion, how do you think Brady is, has kind of conducted himself in this? We know he's gonna appeal and the and the two times he talked about it publicly Not was, necessarily great. Yeah, was in a was in a press conference and both times and then he talked uh where was it, that college? Um Salem. Salem State, yep. Uh, he, and he's just kind of laughing it off and like just having like a good time about it. Yeah, and it's it's a it's become a serious matter. And well, well, he said he didn't know McNally, McNally, who's yep. been with the organization for thirty for thirty years, over thirty years. Brady's been there for fifteen now, so chances are they, he's going to cross paths with yeah. the guy who gives the footballs to the officials mm -hmm. prior to the game. Just a guess. Yeah. Um, and then he said after, what, 36 hours after the re the Wells report came out, he said he, he hadn't had time to digest it. I don't know. He, For someone who's handled himself very well in the face of the media throughout his career, he's certainly not doing a great job of it right now. All right, Sam, now it's time for your segment. They've been off the grid for a while, but now it's time for Sam's Back on the Radar. Second of our two new segments, and this one, uh, I don't know if it's really a, a household name. Probably not, but it's a guy that uh, me and Brian fell in love with when he was, well, after he came over from the Los Angeles Dodgers in the Adrian Gonzalez and others trade. Uh, Ruby De La Rosa, we were very disappointed when he got traded for Wade Miley, who's currently pitching this moment for the Boston Red Sox. Uh, well, not this moment, but he's pitching in the game. Uh, last night, Ruby De La Rosa, complete game for his new team, the, the Arizona Diamondbacks. And uh, you got to hope that he's starting to turn things around. And as I read through this, I realize I 
have his wrong stats up there. Not, look on the script, dude, or the I, outline. Nine. Yeah, but you don't have it. Th- yeah, it, I do. It's somewhere where I can't find it. It's not right there. It's Here we go. Last start. Nine innings, six hits, two runs. Uh, both of them earned five strikeouts in a complete game. I uh, didn't get the win. Uh, the game went to extra innings, but Arizona won in extra innings. But this is a guy we're both very high on, and we think he has the. We saw him pitch in person, and he pitched well and against pitched the well against the Angels, Angels yep. who are a playoff team. Yep. And uh, I think he has the stuff. I, th- I think a lot of it's confidence and just getting those major league innings under his belt. Still a young guy, just in his mid twenties. So hopefully he can uh, build off this one. Twenty six years old, build off this one, and uh, have a strong career. So yeah, so we hope that you like those two new segments for those of you ha- for those of you that have listened to our podcast previously, uh, they are new. So comment, uh, let us know how you, how uh, if you like them, you hate them. If you like the intro music, if you hate the intro music, please let us know. And that leads us to our third and final segment of the day, Stump the Bro. It's time to stump the bro. Sam, last week after you complained that you didn't have enough time, and then today you tell me that you get your trivia question 30 seconds before we go on air, it's time for something, bro. Uh, we were both unsuccessful in getting each other's questions last week. Uh, hopefully you didn't pick it from the MLB trivia page. I did not. And All in right. my defense, I was thinking of my qu- I had an idea in my mind as I was driving home from work. Okay. I mean, I did tell you at 2 p.m., like I said, and we started going on air. Let's see. About Anyways, yeah, I'll anyways. go first. It's okay. 0-0 this week. I'll go first. LeBron James is looking to advance to his sixth NBA final. Which NBA player has the most final experience or final appearances? John Havlicek, George Mikan, Bill Russell, or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar? I feel like Bill Russell is the trick answer here. So you said Mikan, you said Kareem, Russell, and who was the first one? Uh, John Havlicek. John Havlicek. I'm going to go Havlicek. Bill Russell. It is Russell. Yeah. Well, he won 10 of them. I know, but I thought it was a trick question. No, Russell's been to 12. Uh, Abdul-Jabbar has been to 10. Havlicek, 8. And then George Mikan at 5. All right, so let's see if you can can take a commanding one nothing lead, Sam. Your question is: What current major league pitcher pitcher has the most wins in their career right now? Is it CC Sabathia, Tim Hudson, or Mark Burley? Well, I wish it was who was the active saves leader. That would be Joe Nathan. Does that count as a half a point? No. All right, CC. Can you Burley. Count, can you count as an active right now? I mean, he's going to get well, Tommy I know, John. Well, I know he has Tommy John, might end his career, but he's still in the big leagues. Well, on a rock. He's on, on a 40-man roster? 40-man, 60, D- 60. He's on a major league there. DL list. Yeah. More than us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, who? It was Sabathia, Burley, and Hudson. Hudson. I'm going to go with Tim Hudson. That is correct. 215 wins for Tim Hudson. Meanwhile, Sabathia at 210 and Mark Burley at 204. So, Sam. It's closer than I thought, actually, between uh, Hudson and Sabathia. Well, I mean, I think Sabathia got about 100 of them in, in Milwaukee <laughs> <laughs> yeah. during that short stint. 
All right. So thank you to our new listeners or our potential new listeners for listening to this podcast. We hope you enjoyed it, the Sports Brothers Podcast. You can listen to us off our website, the Sports Brothers blog at WordPress.com or off NicoDiCagorio.com. Nico so, uh, again, hope you enjoyed the podcast. And do you have any last-minute words for our listeners? Uh, thanks for listening. And it's going to be uh, an interesting summer. We're going to try to do this thing remote while I'm off traveling with the Connecticut Tigers. So it uh, should be a lot of fun. Yeah, Nico's gonna have to show me how to do it. Via if Skype. we can figure it out, this it, this turns into a, a an all year thing while you're at school. Oh, yeah. just, we can definitely do it during Skype because at the the day we don't have Super to discuss Bowl. it now. Yeah. Okay. Oh, by the way, fine job I saw in mini golf yesterday. Fifty five at Riverfront mini golf. Brian. Yeah, come it on. Was, and what's even worse about it is before we started, Nico was like, "Hey, how about we do an overall count this year?" So like, okay. So Mike has a nine stroke lead after the first day. He's sitting pretty right now. Yeah, he is. You know, you almost took as many strokes as I did playing real golf. Wow. I shot an 80. That's not really that close, Sam. When you're thinking about mini golf and real golf, though? I, th it's, I it's think it's a stretch. Nah. Well, uh, have I, I took many less putts than you, then. Well, uh, you know, Mike played so well because, you know, the girl that works there, they like each other. Do they? Yeah. Does she works at the Y, and she's a, a, as a lifeguard. And she oh, also so they works previously there. knew each other. Yeah, they know each other. Yeah, so uh, so he had to impress, even though she wasn't watching. Even though she wasn't watching, but in case the conversation came up, if she did ask who won, Mike would be there to to raise his hand and and be all proud. So are you guys going to be going there a lot now? I mean, we would go anyways, but that that's that's our mini golf place. By the way, we're not going to the Cape this year. We're doing it next summer. We're going to Red Sox game. It's official. Oh, yeah. yeah. Next summer. Yep. Next summer. Yep. Um, we should get Riverfront as one of our official sponsors. Hey, we're dedicated. I love that place. It's the best place around If you're here. wondering, we're uh, Unionville, Connecticut, right on the river. Great place for mini golf, uh, family, friends, date night, whatever you want. Whatever you want. Ice cream at the end. Sit by the river. It's a good time. Yeah. It's, a it's challenging. The back nine, man. It's tough. It's tough. All right, that's going to do Mike it for Trump. today's podcast. Thank you for listening. Not sure when, be, when the next one's going to be, but we will let you know. Have a great night, folks.